Our series called Roller Coaster because uh, just like Peter, whose life was full of ups and downs, so are ours. And I'm just wondering how many of you, when you were a kid, you had an older brother or sister or someone that, you know, made you terrified of roller coasters. I mean, you'd get on them and they'd try to push you out or something. Anybody like that? I had an older cousin who, when she she would try to push me out, and I'll never forget Sharon for doing that. But, you know, how many of you were afraid of roller coasters when you were young? How many of you are still afraid of them? Okay, that's what I was, that's what I was afraid of, all right? We're looking at the life of Peter, and uh, boy, if there was ever a guy that was up and down like us, it's him. But you know, those ups and downs, and see, we all have them. And some of you here today, you're in an up, and others of you are in a down. And you know what? God loves you in both. God loves you in both. And you're going to have both. You're going to have ups, but you're going to have downs. And one of the reasons why God doesn't shield us from, the, from them is because we learn more in the down. So today, let's talk about that. Now, uh, here's a question for you. What do you think is the greatest threat to our world, our country, to you? What do you think is the greatest threat? I want to tell you it's not nukes of Russia or Iran or whatever. It's not global warming. It's not the stock market crash. It's not that your favorite team might lose today. It's not even what Kanye and Kim are going to do, okay? The greatest danger to our world and to you is this, ignoring truth. You see, because we've been taught that truth is a couple of things. Number one, that it's optional. And if it's optional, then it's not important, okay? And, and we don't realize how important it is to know what's true and what's not and how to tell the difference. I told Donna that marrying me would be the best, most wonderful thing that ever happened to her. And she quickly found out that that wasn't entirely true or true at all. When our son <coughs> Josh was in Africa, he was told that uh, he had malaria. And uh, then they found out that wasn't true, and so they sent him home. And then doctor after doctor in America told Josh that he didn't have Lyme disease. And then uh, finally, after seven years of debilitating pain, we found out it wasn't true. When I was in my 20s, someone told me about the best financial investment I could ever make. And I found out it wasn't true. And, and that will affect my finances for the rest of my life. Uh, no, I'm not going to, uh, you know, whatever. But it will. It has an effect. Many teenage girls are told, I love you. And then they find out it isn't true. And they live with the consequences. And see, the reality, you and I, we're told many things that aren't true. And some of those things, they'll affect you for the rest of your life. 
some of them will affect you for the eternal life to come. So I think it's really important. And Peter, Jesus helped Peter understand how we can know what's true. And he's helping us too. Now, by far the most dangerous and deadly lie that we'll ever hear are the lies about God and his plan for us. Now, atheists say there is no God. But there are two kinds of atheism, all right? There's philosophical atheism, people who rationally say, well, there's no God. But I'm more concerned about practical atheism, living as if there's no God. Now, in reality, there aren't many atheists. You know, like they say, there are no atheists in foxholes and other places. There aren't a lot of real atheists, but there are a lot of agnostics. Now, what's agnosticism? Philosophical agnosticism says this. Well, maybe there is a God. I don't know. But even if there is, it doesn't matter. It's not important. That's philosophical agnosticism. They see there's practical agnosticism. Well, maybe there is a God. Or, or some people say, well, oh, yeah, there's a God. But it's not important. It doesn't matter. It has no impact on my life. And there's a lot of practical agnostics in America. There's a lot of practical agnostics in church we can go through a down phase in our life where we're practical agnostics. See, the truth about God, it's it just, it's, it's so key. Now, there's a second thing about truth. The second thing is we've been taught that it's relative, that it's personal. What's true for you is not true for me, all right? That there are no absolutes. And now, is that, is that true? To say it's true that there's no absolutes is a contradiction, okay? But is it true that there are no absolutes? Are there absolutes in math? Is 2 plus 2, 4, and 5, and 6, and 7, and whatever you want it to be? No. There are absolutes in nature. We call them natural what? Natural laws. Gravity. Inertia. Cause and effect. Rhythm, the, the cycles and seasons of, of planets and plants and animals, okay? Laws of nature are absolutes. And, and if you say, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity, and you jump off of a bridge, are you going to abrogate that law? Of course not. Now, who created these natural laws? Aren't you thankful that Congress didn't have to? It would divide along party lines. They would debate it. They would have investigations. They would have fact-finding trips to other planets to find out. Who created, who established, who passed these laws, these natural laws? God did, our creator did. God established natural laws, absolutes, to protect us, to protect us from planets and galaxies crashing into each other and destroying everything. And you see, God also established moral laws, absolutes, to do what? To protect us, to protect us from destroying ourselves and each other and 
The Ten Commandments is, is just one example. Those are some of God's moral laws. And see, 50 years ago, they, they, were, they hung in every classroom in America, right? And now we ignore them. As if we can ignore natural law. Friend, we, we cannot. And here's another thing to realize. Natural law, God's natural laws, gravity, inertia, etc., and God's moral laws correspond. They fit together. They affect each other. If we violate one, we're going to violate the other also. That's why God warned Adam and Eve. said, now, if you disobey, what's going to happen? Then there's going to be difficulty. Then you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. Then the environment is not going to be perfect anymore. You won't live in a paradise anymore. There'll be natural consequences that take place. There'll be deadly storms. There'll be diseases. There'll be death. God established absolute natural laws and moral laws to protect us. And when we don't obey them, we suffer ourselves and we hurt others and abuse others and kill others. Loving mothers and fathers warn their children about lies. A friend comes home, the friend has told us, told them something, you tell them, well, that's not true. Well, our Heavenly Father tells us what is the most dangerous and deadly lie in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at another episode in the life of Peter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, sometimes Jesus called himself the Son of Man. Other times he called himself the Son of God. Why? Because he was both. He was fully man because he had a human mother. He was fully God because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. And he, that makes Jesus one of a kind. You know, only, the only person who ever lived like that. Fully God and fully man at the same time. All right? Verse 14. Well, to, to answer the question they replied, some people say you're John the Baptist. He had been beheaded, but they figured, oh, he came back to life again. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What is the truth about Jesus? Who is Jesus? And friend, nothing is more important than that question. And Jesus doesn't want us to <laughs> fall for the lies that will destroy us. So Jesus asked three questions here of the disciples. And the first one is this. His first question, who do they say I am? Who do people say? that I am. And the disciple answered, well, they say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah and so forth. And you see, those were good and godly men. You know, and, and that really kind of sounded like a good answer, okay? But saying that Jesus is like these men or the actually these men, or like John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or any other prophet is wrong. Because those were mere men. They were fully men. They were not God. And if you were asked people today, we get a lot of answers. If you, 
If you ask people today, who is Jesus, you'll get all kinds of answers. And let me just kind of pick major categories. Islam, major religion. Now, Muslims would say that Jesus is a prophet, okay? But who's the greatest prophet? Muhammad. So Jesus is inferior to him. He's a prophet, but that's it. Buddhists would say Jesus is a guru, that he's one of the incarnations of Buddha. Mormons say that Jesus is a son of God, but they say we're all sons of God. Philosophers would say that Jesus was a great teacher. Historians who are intellectually honest <laughs> would have to admit that nobody impacted the, the uh, course of human history more than the man Jesus Christ. Uh, some say Jesus is a Tar Heel fan. Did you know that? The colors of the University of North Carolina, it, it's blue. It's sky blue. And they say, well, if, if uh, God is not a Tar Heel fan, then why is the sky blue? You never heard that? Okay, just wanted to share that with you, okay? Some say that Jesus is a Republican. Some say he's a Democrat. I don't think he's either. Some say that Jesus is a social justice advocate, okay? And, and there are a lot of, Jesus has given a lot of compliments. But these compliments reject Jesus as the Son of God. They reduce him to being a man, a mere man, only man. And, and you know, and it sounds nice and loving to say that, well, all religions are true. But they can't be true. They can't all be true if they contradict each other. And they're most essential teachings. That, that, that can't be right. Most statements about Jesus have truth, some truth in them. But is it the whole truth? Because a, a half truth is a whole lie. You know, we, try to, we tell half-truths to try to get out of trouble. But it's not the truth. Who, does you, who do they say I am, Jesus asks. But here's the second question. Here's the second. He said, okay, that's what they say. Jesus next said, but who does God say I am? He didn't actually ask that question in so many words, but that's what he was asking. He asked him, who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And to that, Jesus said this, You're blessed, Simon. Because what? My Father in heaven revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from any other human being. That is really important. Peter didn't figure out that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, all by himself. God revealed that to him through the scriptures that he had, through the words of Jesus that we now have. The Father revealed that. And see, and friend, this is really important because scholars, we think, we, uh, Americans, we think that scholars can tell us who Jesus is. Who's Jesus? Well, let's read some religious uh, scholars and see what they say. 
They can't. They can't tell us. The only one who really knows who Jesus is is his father. (laughs) And he tells us. And you see, there's another. Even the most brilliant human cannot really tell you exactly who Jesus is. Because if, if I could understand that, I would be as smart as Jesus. I would be as smart as God, and I'm not. And no one is. God has to reveal this great truth. Do you know anybody that has a human uh, mother but a divine father? No. Do you know anyone virgin born? Can you understand that? Can you grasp that? Can you identify with that? Absolutely not. He's the the God-man. And the, the statements, the belief that Jesus is a good man. But if we don't accept him and obey him as the son of God, then we're actually rejecting him. Because that was his claim. I'm the son of God. And so many people are always say, well, he was a good man, but son of God? No, I don't think so. Jesus is not a great teacher. He's not a great man. He's the great son of God. He's the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the, God, the one that God sent to carry out his plan for the world and for eternity. He's not a way to God. He is the one and only way to the Father. And I, I think I read this quote to you a couple months ago. I, I think about it all the time. So what C.S. Lewis said. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. Well, I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Lewis goes on to say that's one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic or he would be the devil of hell. He'd be a liar. And you and I must make our choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or he was a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him. You can kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Whoa. We don't have the option of saying, well, he was a great moral man, but he wasn't the son of God. God, who does God say Jesus is? God says he's the Messiah, the one appointed to carry out his plan for the world. God says that Jesus is the way to him. God says that Jesus is the truth, the living truth that we need. And friend, that's how you can know whether something's true or whether it's a lie. Now, you can establish the standard of what you believe is true, okay, or a lie. But do you really know? There's one who does. God the Father. And he loves you and he wants you to know his truth. And so, (laughs) are we going to believe the creator who tells us who Jesus is? Or are we going to believe people who got created by the creator tell us? That seems pretty simple to me. (laughs) I'm going to believe the creator. 
And you see, determining the truth, which humans, that's what humanism, human, humanism is we determine truth. We determine what's true. Determining what's true about Jesus, that's not our, that's not our prerogative. We don't have that authority. Created beings can't say to the creator, I get to decide what's true. You get to decide whether it's to say tomato or tomato. You get to decide whether you like peanut butter and bananas or whether you think it's gross. There are lots of things you get to decide. (laughs) But we don't get to decide who Jesus is. And friends, the great news is God has told us. And we can know and we don't have to wonder. God proved it when he raised his son from the dead. God loves us. And so the most important question, the number one, hands down, without a doubt, most important question of your whole life and existence is, who do you say Jesus is? You see, because that that was the third question that Jesus asked. Jesus said, okay, well, who do people say that I am? And they told him. And then he said, well, yeah, but... uh, who does God, who has God revealed to you that I am? Who does God say that I am? All right? But then he hit to the question that all of us need to understand and come to grips with. But who do you say that he is? You see, someone else's decision and determination about who Jesus is doesn't change your life or your eternal destiny. Who you say he is does. Who do you say Jesus is? Are you going to believe what the scholars say? Or what the sovereign creator says? I'm going to believe what the sovereign creator says. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. Now, I would guess that 75% of you believe that with all your heart. 80%, maybe higher, I don't know. I would believe that some of you don't. You see, we're all in different places of our spiritual journey. We're all impacted by our background. We're all impacted by our friends. We're all impacted by the education that we've received. We're all impacted by so many things in our life. And I don't know where you are today. I want to tell you, wherever you are, God loves you. I want to tell you that wherever you are, God wants to bless you and love you and work in your life and draw you closer to him and send his son Jesus back for you one day. God's not mad at you at all. God loves you, and he longs for you to love him. He longs for you to come to him, and there's one way to come to him through his appointed Messiah, through his son, he sent to this earth to die in our place. And see, you can know all those things about Jesus, but Christianity is not knowing about him. It is knowing him personally. Knowing him as a reality in your daily life. Knowing him not just coming to a church on Sunday morning for a service, for a religious observance, but on Thursday morning when you're tired and upset because what's going on at work or with the kids, 
knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he loves you and he's coming back for his own. That's what Christianity is. It's not knowing about him. It's knowing him. And then the question is this. Okay, we know who he is. God's told us, okay? Whether we accept it or not, God's told us. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the way, the truth, and life. He's the coming King. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Then the question is, do we live like it? Do we live that, that reality in his life that Jesus Christ is the number one priority of your life? Is he the number one priority of your life? Will your, will your, will your passions prove that? Will your schedule indicate that? Will your bank statement show that? Will your plans for the future, will your confidence in your attitude, will it prove that Jesus really is your King, your Savior, your Lord? Mike uh, talked to us, reminded us here at Alliance, one of our core values, we take next steps. You see, the Christian life is one of walking with Jesus. And so every day there's a step to take, to follow him, to keep up with him, a step of growth, a step of blessing, something that God wants to do in our life and the situations that we're facing. And some of you are facing terrible situations. Life is full of ups and it's full of downs. But you can walk to Jesus, with Jesus in those times. Now some of you, the next step you need to take is making Jesus your Savior. You, you can't be good enough to earn your way to heaven. You cannot. Heaven's perfect. You'd have to have a perfect score to get to heaven to deserve heaven. None of us have. If we could earn our way to heaven, God wouldn't let his son die like that. Your next step maybe today is making him your savior. Maybe it's making him your king and lord. Well, you know about Jesus. Well, he's part of your life, okay? No, he is your life. Here on earth and for the life to come. Oh, friend, take that next step of faith. Whether you're in an up or a down, take that next step of walking with Jesus. That's why God brought you here this morning, because he loves you so much. He wants to embrace you and he wants to help you take that next step. And in the body of Christ, we do this together because we help each other. If one takes the next step, then others are encouraged to do that. We do that together as the body of Christ. And that's life. That's life. Let's pray. Father, we can never thank you enough for sending your son to this earth. He's the Messiah. He's the you appointed him to, to solve that sin problem, God, and work it all out one day for your glory. You're, you're the Savior. You sent him to be the Savior. You sent him to be our Lord and King. And <laughs> praise God, one day you're going to send Jesus back again. That's what life is about. And dear Lord, some are here today, oh, they're in downs. Some are in ups, but God doesn't make a difference. You love us, and you're going to take us through both of them, and you're going to teach us life lessons in both those situations. And God, we praise you today and help us to walk with you 
as our Savior, as our Lord, as our coming King. In Jesus' name.